Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And this is a Skype call out to the great state of Georgia. And I've got someone on the show this evening that I have been following for some time. I'm very happy to have him on. Seth Martin. How you doing? Hey man, good uh good to see you. Doing well. Dude, I'm I'm so happy that you came on the program and so I want to open up with this is uh tell tell everyone a little bit about who you are. Where are you from, man? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh in Fort Sonia, Georgia, in uh in Elbert County. There uh about 40 minutes east of Athens. And uh I actually grew up I guess to get particular, I grew up in the Flatwoods area of Fort Sonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I grew up uh, on Baker's Ferry Road and, uh, you know, Elbert County is the granite capital of the world, um, granite manufacturing capital of the world. And my, my folks had a, a little granite shed there in the left of our yard. And uh, we had a pasture kind of to the right with early on we had some cows and stuff. And across the road, a bunch of hardwoods to go squirrel hunting in, you know. Right on. But I, I drove, I, we moved when I was in high school, we moved to town. But I drove out there uh, every time I go to the lake and, and stuff like that, I drive by there. And I did that right before I, uh, I actually live up in Nashville now. Uh, moved up here about a week and a half ago. And, oh, uh, caught you at a heck of a time, did I? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, uh, I moved up here about yes, yeah, like a week and a half ago, and uh, and I'm out, I'm actually in uh, this little tool shed out behind our house where I've kind of that's the spot to play my songs and hang out at, you know. But um, yeah, we we moved to town, and uh, and so I hadn't been out to Beggs Ferry Road regularly, but man, I went out there right before I came up, and it it uh, it's such a unique special way to grow up it kind of tore me up you know had me had me cry driving away and no kidding no so kidding man for it you know get, got real lucky and uh real had a real privilege up, upbringing to be have such a relationship with nature and have the folks i did raise me and my brothers you know so thankful for that yeah man uh i can relate i'm from a small town called kennedy and um I was just hanging out with a, a buddy of mine. He grew up in a community a, a couple over from mine, but it was it was cow pastures and fish ponds. And, uh, you know, we'd swear up and down if there had been a gas station in that town at that time, uh, we would have done all our business with them. Because, I mean, we were just camping out for the summer and uh, fishing. And, you know, we were cooking what we caught that day or whatever else we could do, you know. That sounds fun, man. That sounds fun. I mean, and that's what we were into. And so, like, man, I, I really relate to, uh, I mean, we're here to talk about your Saturday morning cartoons. And the uh, the vibe I get off of it is, like, that same vibe when I go back to those early teenage years of just being out with the boys. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, that, uh, that that's, that's it. Those are the Saturday morning cartoons to me, you know. It's like... Uh, uh, 
all, all those memories and all the memories that you got to make moving forward with whatever, you know, your Saturday morning cartoon might be. It sounds like for us, it was hunting and fishing and playing ball and uh-huh. stuff like that. You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't learn. There wasn't no instruments around when I was growing up, not in any kind of negative way, but it was just not what we were into. You know, I didn't learn my first chord until we made that first Dish Boys record when I was like 24. Wow. Um, yeah, I, w- I wanted to ask you about that. So, I mean, I guess we kind of dug into it already, but what was life like for you growing up? It was just like kind of what I'm describing is hanging out with the boys and working on the farm or? We didn't have a farm. We had some hobby hobby animals around and dogs and everything. But, I mean, ball was my life growing up. I mean, it was like playing sports was it, man. I mean, uh, just what we were into. My dad coached some ball uh mm-hmm. Or T. McFerrin, actually, this great, great uh, coach. He was the coach of David Green and David Pollock, who went on to all that UGA success in the 2000s. And uh, dad coached. You get a little go Bulldog going around here. Got you a national title. I mean, uh, if you want to get (laughs) into it, you know, those guys were all recruited by Jim Donnan. And then Mark Rick won all the championships. So I like to say, you know, don't discredit Jim Donnan, dog fans. He did more than you might think. But uh, yeah, dad dad coached ball, uh, and then got into granite, uh, and kind of left that behind. But was always super interested, and always coached all of our little league teams, and uh, and and stuff like that. So I mean, we naturally that was just what we did. I mean, there was this there was this recreation park called Mick Williams Park, about probably ten miles from our house, like right before you kind of get to where it turns country in Elbert County. And uh, we would be up there, like, all weekend, all day, like, every season. I mean, we played everything, basketball. Man, yeah. Like, I played soccer even for a while just to do something. You know? we, didn't even, we didn't even have soccer in our area when we were growing up. And so, like, when we first were introduced to soccer, we just made fun of people. It's like, you know, also, we didn't have golf either. And so we used to make fun of people for playing golf. And I'll never forget the first time the boys and I all went out and played golf. And it was like, we owe a whole lot of people an apology. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's hard. Yeah. And it's fun, too. It's a great way to spend a Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, when we moved to town, actually, we lived kind of near the golf course there. And I was never any good, but, I mean, I had friends who were, so we'd ride around and hit balls and, like, you know, drink beer. And mm-hmm. uh, it's like, yeah, great way to pass the time. Um, but so after after moving to town, I went to, you know, I graduated high school in Weber County. Uh, I guess from high school here, but the high school football was just it, man. That's like our whole that, – that Identity. My, my, yeah, identity exactly. That was like the whole thing in school, and then uh, and that, and kind of like going out into a field and making a fire and partying, and uh, like going going camping and going fishing and going hunting and playing ball. That was like my early life completely. Cool, man. And so you said you wouldn't touch a musical instrument until you were twenty four. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, what 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 did life look like for you, Seth? when uh you were exiting high school what did you, what did you think you were gonna do like were you still involved with sports or oh, trade or I was, what uh, i was i went to georgia southern for school 
Um, and I worked for the football program there the whole time I was in school at Southern. I was in school at Southern for three years. And like coming out of high school, it was like, I'm going to work for the George Southern football program and I'm going to become a high school football coach. That was like my whole, uh, that's like all I wanted. I think I even told my dad, like, I know everybody gets to college and change their majors, but that ain't going to be me. I ain't going to do that. And then I started the job with football program. That was going great. That always went great. I always loved that. And uh, I was doing like uh, filming the practices for the team use. Like I was like part of the video staff and we would do like uh, all the games and, and cut up the film and, and just like an entry level gig there, you know. Um, and I got like a little mini scholarship from school and uh, and so that that was was an always amazing. But um, that was that. At, at, at some point though, so I got I got at a so I took my first class round of classes, and uh, and I had to take anatomy, mm-hmm. and I was a smart kid in school and and uh, in high school, and I, but I never really studied. I could just go in and like take the tests and make a B and be all right, like kind of no matter what. And uh, and so when I got to college, we had that first test with anatomy, you know, doing physical education major to go on to be a high school football coach. And uh, I made a 14 on that first anatomy. Uh, and that was like one of three grades that we had in the class that year or something like that. So I really kind of like, this ain't going to work. Right. So then I was kind of like, what? what do I get into? I'm not really sure. My parents would always be like, uh, you know, you love, you could argue with a wall. You argue with us about this minuscule stuff that doesn't even matter. You should be a lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'll do political science. How about that? And, uh, and I still just had, had really no idea. Um, but then I, uh, I realized that the school had a radio program and, uh, that you could get an hour. Uh, or two hours a week um, just by going in there and signing up and having your major as communication arts. So I swapped my major at communication arts and started doing that. I did that for a year there. And that was kind of my, like I'd always been into music because, you know, my mom uh, would have 97.1 The River, like the classic station coming out of Atlanta playing like, okay. all the time in the car. And it was like, uh, you know, guess that song, and we we could all do it within seconds. I mean, we we're all very into music and like listening to the radio. Uh, <coughs> um, and like Almond Brothers, I was an Almond Brothers freak in like middle school through high school. And like my mom gave me like uh, that REM CD with the moon on the cover. Ooh, like, your mom did you a favor, bub. Dude, right? I was talking with my roommate. Um, Yes, today about about my mom and I got to crying, man. Because she, I mean, she taught first grade for thirty five years at this school right across from the projects in Elberton, and uh, we all went to school there too. And that was that was amazing, and uh, just to to get to see all that because you know our friends who went to the little country school, you know they and were having a relationship with people other than themselves until they maybe got to high school. Um. And, man, my mom just taught, like, you know, folks are in the NFL now how to read. Um, and and she's just so sweet. And uh, mm-hmm. so I got all, all my music trip 
was from from my mom, and I had this work ethic majorly built in from my dad with sports and outdoors and like a kind of a stewardship with the land kind of thing. I mean, we like, you know, I never never killed anything unless we were going to eat it or mm-hmm. like or even the concept. I early on when I got the concept of like, if you have food on your plate, you should eat every bit of it because if you don't, that's a disrespect to the plant that it came from or the animal that it came from. That that got instilled, stuff like that got instilled in me early on that I still, you know, live by. And mm-hmm. just so lucky for that that upbringing. But the so Statesboro, I'm, I'm like, you know, classics. I mean, Statesboro is like the party school in Georgia. It's like if you can, if you can get out of your hometown and go anywhere, you can probably go there. Yeah. Uh, and so we just kind of partying. I mean, looking back on it too, a little bit too much, you know, kind of neglecting <sighs> And uh, but I had the radio show thing going, and then I had a roommate move in with me. Uh, Channing Reams is his name, and uh, his grandma had run this ferry in Alaska for her whole kind of retirement years. And him and his brothers had all gone up there and worked like every summer since they were young. I was wondering how that got hooked up for you. I was wondering how you went to Alaska. Got so like lucky on that and Channing was so gracious because like I mean when he got back just just to tell us about it and and to get us all the job I mean it wasn't like I never did an interview we never did any of that we just like got our plane tickets up there we all they met us at the airport and it started happening mm-hmm. but so like initially it was going to be like two or three of us like don't tell anybody about this last trip man you know we're trying to like take a small crew up there and then it, I think we went up there with 13 people, <laughs> you know, and we all got there and it was like, you can either work at the campground or the ferry and the mm. ferry, but we all, I didn't even know about the campground until we got there. And it was all, uh, the ferries like, uh, had been overstaffed by mm. two people. So there was two people who were going to have to work at the campground and me and my buddy Nugget McBride threw our hands up immediately saying that we would work at the campground and it turned out to be the best thing ever because we worked for this old guy named Wally. Uh, and he's just the sweetest dude from around Biloxi, Mississippi and his grandson runs the campground now, Jared. Um, and we got to meet Wally and, and, and learn from him. And it, it, he, he, he was a big part of, my is a big part of my life forever and all of us boys who work at the campground felt that way what uh, would you say that you learned the most from wally <laughs> that uh it is morning boys it is morning. <laughs> like wally would he would wait he'd drive up in the 1982 chevy scottsdale that was like faded yellow come up and you hear you could hear all that happen because it was on gravel road and we we're living in these little like kind of tool shed bunks and you could hear everything and it's so quiet out there and he'd pull up and get out of the truck and walk up and say it is morning boys it is morning. <laughs> he asked him was like why do you say it is morning and wally why don't you say good morning he's like maybe you're not having a good morning maybe, maybe it ain't a good morning for you before we even get started working like I don't know, little stuff like that. And I met like I met Sean Kedzie there, who's become like a 
this dear lifelong friend. I lived and worked with him uh, when I did this recent winter up there. Yeah. So, so many formative friends. And like that's when I first started listening to Neil. Like I listened to Neil with Sean for the first time, and I read the book Shaky. I don't know if you've read that. It's like a, a biography that's like information on one page and then quotes from Neil on the other. Oh, wow. Because we didn't have very many. I brought four or five books with me. Everybody brought four or five books with me, and we would just pass them around. And, you know, after a little while, living with no power and no running water, you uh, you run, you run, read all the books two or three times. So I read Shaky three times that summer. And that's like a 600-page book, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so the second and third time, I would listen to the records and read the book while it was happening because it was all told in like chronological order mm-hmm. but that was like damn this this songs thing man i gotta like figure something out on this songs thing i always been into music but always thought i was like a fan or like a friend of the band who would help you do loading or something you know what i mean i feel that dude i mean that's kind of like my my partition here with this right <laughs> Uh, but that's such an important role, though. Uh, or like I look back on, or I'm, I'm getting there with, with this, that part of the story coming in a second, I guess. I don't want to spoil it. But uh, so I go I go back from that trip to Alaska, or maybe that, that would have been my second year. My first year, uh, I don't know that I did any of that investigation with music. It was just, damn, we're in Alaska. Let's go hiking and fishing and camping and like, mm-hmm. yeah forwarded into that and the second time i went up i went on my own as like a spur of the moment thing like uh just did it like uh and so when i came back from that second trip after having done that research on the neil thing and realized i wanted to fool with music like as a thing in my life but i still didn't even know anybody with a guitar you know um I started. I came back from that trip. Started living in Athens. I was crashing on like my brother's couch for a couple weeks, and I was like, "How do I get into into this thing?" So I knew there was this thing called Southern Shelter. This guy named Sloan Simpson, like a total hero of a guy out of Athens, Georgia, recorded shows forever. You know, what I mean, like mm-hmm. he had a website called Southern Shelter with a thousand something shows on it, probably. So I saw that was happening. And I was like, I'll start. And I'd, I'd been real into the Grateful Dead in college. And I was like, damn, I could start rec- recording shows as a way to maybe meet some people in the music thing. Not even thinking that I would maybe long distance somewhere way in the back of my mind thinking like, yeah, I'll, I'll be in a band one day. But still, still the load in, load out, take some pictures guy, you know. And the recording shows was another game of it. And I just was really into that, too. Mm-hmm. The whole like the dead thing was a heat was huge for me. I had a little booklet in Alaska that I think I kept like three hundred dead shows in. So it's like like eight twenty seven seventy two is my favorite show. I probably you know that's my shit. Um, but so I started recording bands around Athens, and I would just go up and put the recorder in my pocket, and I called the website live from the pocket. Uh, which looking back on it kind of a hacky kind of way to do that but like some of the shows sounded great you know i had this recording Mm -hmm. 
had this recording of Chris Robinson Brotherhood from the theater that sounded really good, you know, and that's like a, a big room. I just kind of got in the sweet spot and got quiet, didn't say anything, and hopefully nobody talked to me. <laughs> and uh, and so I was doing that, and I went to catch uh, uh, Jessica Lee Mayfield with T. Hardy Morris opening when it was like the audition tapes era. That was like the record that was out at the time. And I think Thayer and Pistol backed him on that show. Great show. I went by myself. I get to, it was the Auburn weekend actually. So it was like kind of like I turned the corner from like, I'm going to get wasted and go watch the game to like, I'm going to go and record this show and, and try to, you know, that that my interest had started changing in that way around that time. Yeah, and just for those listening, like when Georgia plays Auburn, that's kind of a big deal. That's kind yeah. of the between the between the hedges, if you will. I mean, uh, I've seen the game on the plains as well. Mm-hmm. I'm that into it, we were like I, we had season tickets growing up, like section three twenty four at Sanford Stadium since I was a kid. That's what's up, Bub. And like, uh, so that was kind of looking back on it at the time. I didn't, that wasn't a, a, a thing I thought about. You know, I didn't realize it was like a moment of change, but looking back, it's like, huh, that's kind of around side turning time. You know, I'm still in the, in the football and watching the dogs and everything, but just not in the way I was before. I was like an obsessive fan. Like it would like ruin until we won again. It's like a high school. <laughs> same, same, dude. I, uh, I grew up in Bryant Denny. I'm the same way about the the Crimson Tide, and yeah. and, I, and I'm that same way now. It's uh, I still go to the games. It still means something, but it, like you said, it used to be everything to where it would ruin, you know, a weekend or a week for me. But now it's not so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just ball. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, like, what what am I really uh, what am I really gaining or losing anyway? Yeah. I was gonna say it's just it's just ball, but damn, don't we love it? <laughs> yeah, we yes we do, <laughs> yes we do. And uh, but so I'm leaving the Hardy show. The Hardy the Hardy show gets done, and I'm leaving, and I go to I push the door open and it pushes back and kind of do that thing two or three times. And this redheaded guy walks past me, and I recognize him, but I'm like, is that Garrett Hibbs? That's not Garrett. It looks so much like him. Doesn't he have a brother? Yeah, he does. So I, hey man, aren't you Garrett Hibbs, his brother? Yeah, I am. And we went back outside and started mm-hmm. talking. And uh, I rode home with them that night, and I started living with them in this cabin that they had. Uh, Rob and JP DeBrule from a band called Reverend DeBrule. By that time, I think they were just calling it Reverend. And, uh, and, they just took me under their wing. I mean, uh, um, I started recording their shows and practices and helping them with load in, load out. And we just, just, you know, they really took care of me. And uh, I started working at the mall in Athens, uh, actually, like at, at Macy's around that time. Like, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the time, I still had that long, long, long hair, you know, and the beard and everything. So it was real fun to look back on. Hey, he was a wild man. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, man, you know, 
she they somebody would tell me you know about buying pants for their grandson or something and you know he's probably just gonna wear them once or whatever's for this thing just they'd be picking out this real expensive pair of pants you know me being who i am i'd kind of steer them towards this like cheap pair of pants that like i would buy and at some point i think one of the managers was like, you know, I get what you're doing, but like, we're, this is a business here. We're trying to like sell, sell things to the customer. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't want to like waste all that like $30 on your grants. Just get this like $15 pair of pants or whatever. But so we <laughs> like, realized like, all right, man, you know, this, there's that stage. There was a, there was a lodge or campground. And called Gwen's Lodge. It was built in like 1952. Same setup as it was back then. Just it still is now. Beautiful, right across from the Kenai River, and uh, which is like glacier fed and looks it looks like turquoise. It's crazy. And uh, and so there's a there's a stage behind that lodge. And I was like, damn, we could we could just work at the lodge instead of the campground. And they kind of wanted, were more interested in the lodge thing than the campground anyway, because, I mean, who wants to live with no power and no running water unless you're borderline crazy, <laughs> you know? Some talking about you and I like that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> who we are. And, uh, I, but I, I truly love, love the campground uh, so, so much. It's like, you showed me a lot about, like, what I need and maybe don't need. Like, if my power goes out because the weather's bad, I got yeah. it. Yeah. And, but I maybe, di- I maybe didn't know that stuff or feel that way kind of before then. Cause college, you know, or around that time period, it kind of, kind of dulled a little bit of those senses that I had as a kid, to be honest with you, you know? Well, yeah. Well, not only that, I mean, I mean, you were probably chasing, uh, you were probably chasing females and had other things on your mind at that time as well. Right. <laughs> I mean, Statesboro has, uh, has a, a certain type of allure to it, you know, for some yeah. people. But so we, they all, you know, the guys in Reverend who took me under their wing and I was living with them, they were still playing shows in Athens. They played a theater, nowhere bar, places like that. And uh, they all were down to go. And so they were like, how are we going to get there? Let's tour. They, mm-hmm. were, they wanted to drive across the country. Hell yeah, man. And uh, so we did it, and they, they didn't play a full schedule. It was like maybe six or seven shows, but it was kind of more about, like, camping and seeing places we'd never seen. Like, we stayed, like, three days outside of San Francisco in, uh, like, the Marin area, the Redwood uh, camp. Nice. We stayed, like, three or four days at uh, a— at Didn't know they make them that big, did you? Yeah, God Almighty, man! I ain't never seen nothing like that. I mean, uh, I, I got some film pictures of it and stuff that I still will run across now, and I'm like, just so lucky to have ever, like, I've never been anywhere other, up until that trip. I had never been anywhere other than kind of like Myrtle Beach, Pigeon Forge, uh, one trip to Arkansas to see my uncle Jimmy. One trip to like Daytona to see the dogs play in like a bowl game, and like that was as far as much traveling as I had ever done. You know, mm-hmm. we did travel league middle school baseball or something. Yeah, so, uh, getting to see like clouds in the Southwest 
you know, getting to see the shadow of a cloud 10 miles away or something in the Southwest on one of those lookouts by the highway. Like, just, woo, through my brain. Oh, dude. Yeah, no kidding, dude. I, I'll never forget when I was uh, in Vena del Mar and down in Chile in South America, and I was like, what is a country boy like me doing in a place like this? Like, I, what you know, down there? It, it was a mission trip. It was it was through. I wasn't even in the college. Like my roommate at the time just kind of threw me into the trip. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's go. Nice. I mean, this this probably never happened again. And uh, the whole time I was down there, I was like just just thrown by it. But when we went to Vena del Mar, I mean, you had these Spanish castles sitting on these cliff sides of the Pacific Ocean. And here I am, a country boy from the south, in the heart of the Bible Belt. I was like, there ain't no way I'd ever see that in any other life, you know? Dude, that is amazing. That is amazing. It was unreal. And, uh, I mean, still to this day, like, some opportunities that presents itself, it's like, you know, maybe it's right place, right time, or, you know, maybe it was just a season. I couldn't call it, but just being ready and available to go. And I think that's... You know, that might be a lot of people. It's like you have an opportunity to present itself, but you don't have the balls or gumption and you just say no. Yeah, that's where you that's where you lose it. Having the having the guts to really make that kind of knee jerk thing is something that like always want to keep being if I ever lose the ability to do that, I kind of need to start getting my routine better or something like that, because like. All these things I'm talking about that seem so drastic from taking me from Bakersfield Road to Alaska to who I am now or whatever, they're all such drastic changes, but they were really just kind of small decisions that, like, I just had to believe in myself. Yeah. You know? And, like, there's been times with me where that's been really not there, you know, for one reason or another. And then there's times where it's really strong. And I think the times when it was really strong and is really strong is just following my personal intuition that I've kind of had since I was a kid and that we all have you know um so yeah I mean just going with your personal feeling about things and trusting yourself and trusting like you know the universe or God or whatever you want to call it yeah yes that's what's led to anything that's been good in any of our lives really and and I don't want to fast forward too much, but uh, we found each other on the wonderful world world of Instagram, and <laughs> and you were kind enough uh, right before you uh, went off to Alaska. Uh, and matter of fact, I thought it was dope. You were in Alaska for almost the entirety of COVID. I was there for eight months. Yeah, yeah. From uh, but, but you sent me one of your records with one of your working bands at that time, and I, I still listen to that record. But uh, like, uh, like that is when you and I started like really connected on social media, and I started paying attention. So like, uh, like walk it up to uh, making that record and that band, like, because I I really do enjoy yeah. that music. And that's right where we're getting is like so. Rob Hibbs from Reverend goes to Alaska with us. They're doing that thing. It's right around the time that band's starting to end. And he shows me my first chord in a mining tent in Alaska. And I had the whole time through college, I'd been writing poetry, you know, 
and and just, just writing. I didn't even think of them as lyrics. They're just poems. And mm-hmm. I don't know how that got started. Um, I think oh, I, t- I could tell you how, because you and I write the same kind of funky way, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just had to have some outlet. Like, sports was the outlet so hard that it was like, it just kind of just bubbled off the surface. I don't, I really can't put a finger on it, but I'm glad it did. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, actually, you know, I was a vocabulary champion in fifth grade of Elbert County. Let's not get to bragging, but I want a spelling bee one time, okay? <laughs> and I, I, it's, I just brought that up because you, you think there's no connection, and then you think a little deeper, and you're like, oh, yeah, this this has something to do with that. You know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, like, Rob teaches me my first chord, and then that summer was all shows from whatever any other Alaska bands to play out there. And then the summer, we came back again, and it was Dish Boys. The first ever Dish Boys show was in Alaska at that lodge at the little stage behind the lodge. Um, oh, that's fun. And the name uh, Georgia Dish Boys came because me, Rob, and Garrett were working as dishwashers at that lodge. And we would do maintenance and housekeeping and like work in the little store and like stuff like that too. But we we're mainly dishwashers. And this girl from Virginia would, uh, see us walking across the pro- big old property that they had, like, back to the employee bunks or something, and say, hey, Georgia Dish Boys. And then always, it, we started getting referred to as that. And then we we did that summer, super fun, played those shows, played the first show. The first show was, like, three covers and three originals, I think. It was, like, a small set right before uh, of an Alaska band. I can't remember the name of it. Even. I don't know why. Um but so we got back to Athens and I started uh, working at Heirloom Cafe there, a place where like, you know, a ton of uh, people who played in bands worked. And and, and uh, we met a drummer named Eric Zock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that comes a little later, actually. But I was working at Heirloom and we we're calling the band Georgia Dish Boys in our minds. And we made this first album. Um kind of started i guess maybe there was a song or two written from that that in that last summer in alaska because there's some songs about like there was this fire i can't remember the name of the fire but it got real close to where we it was a funny river fire and it got real close to where we were living at to the point we had to evacuate and go across the river like down down the road in town and there's songs that garrett hibbs wrote about that that i wrote about that and uh, the first Dish Boys thing that we made has like a little quilt on it. It's like a little CD. And um, that had three songs from Garrett, three th- songs from Rob, and three songs from me. And we just gave that out for free to anybody who would take it in Athens. You know, um, And, and I, we had all been seeing shows like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, what you do in that town especially back when it was like caledonia lounge was still going i mean you could see like a great touring band from any town in the country in that room you still can in athens it's still that way but that's just the room we were hitting hard we'd see like you know hardy and the hard knocks and like kenosha kid 
and Thayer Serrano and like uh, that that kind of crew of bands, mm-hmm. uh, and just trying to trying to meet people and still and still was like, how do you how do you book a show? You know, I don't even know how to do that. Rob and Garrett and them did it from their old band, but it was different kind of music. You know, Dish Boys didn't really sound like Reverend at that time. Um, and a, a buddy who worked at the re- restaurant at Erland got us to open for his band, and that was our first show in town. Um, and I think we started, I started, I, at that time I was living on Ruth Street in Athens, and we played a house show there. And then I moved to kind of the other side of town and we had a house show a month for like six months you know it was like i still don't know how to book shows i didn't get the concept that you just send them the email and like they're going to respond to you because they want to have shows in the room too i i just i don't know i had no clue about any music business stuff or even just like how to book a show in the dive bar at that time you know strictly trying to learn how to write songs with the people in my band yeah, I still don't, dude. I, I book festivals now, and I still don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, just I got a lot of people that help me, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hold my hand. Hopefully, we can get really good at whatever we're doing, and really still not know how it works. You know, that's a, yeah. Like yeah. Um, uh, I mean, just before that, we got together. I was. Uh, uh, just at the local restaurant, out on the patio, and we were we were talking about this interview. And I, he's, how did all this get hooked up? And I was like, man, to be honest with you, I was, I really couldn't tell you how it started. Uh, you know, I was, uh, we connected on social media because we really liked music, and then I liked what he was doing, and he liked what I was doing, and we just decided that we would get together this evening. Yeah, man. I mean, I just. <laughs> I think I found your stuff through um, just looking at shows in Alabama, you know, yeah. and start seeing like the porch talk thing popping up. And then I listened to a couple episodes and was like, damn, I feel, you know, this is like, sounds like somebody I grew up with, you know? Yeah. That's um, my, tra- and that's my trademark, man. It's kind of like all the people that, that I've gravitated towards over the years in one way or another. Just I don't know, cut from the same cloth type concept, but I I get along with a lot of people who are very different from me too, because that's part of the trip as well. It's like that openness that you I don't know, it's a big part of our life from the time I was a little kid. That's so, it. And like I don't know, I live in the city now, and all my most of my friends here grew up here, but like we're this kind of the same people too, you know. I mean. uh yeah, hell, everybody is, you know. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so trying to finish this Dish Boys store, I'm trying to get you to this. Was the record Suitcase of Life that I sent you, or was it Sending Out My Love? Suitcase of Life. Yeah. So, like, the record after the first one, the first one was like, no drums. Acoustic guitars and electric guitars and vocals. Second one, 
drummer on from Statesboro who was in a funk band called the Funk uh, named Scott Underwood, who is a banger. I mean, he sounds like punk Levon Helm type vibes is what he did on our recording. But his other thing was like totally Coltrane-y, you know, um, which I fucking love John Coltrane. The Impressions album is like, I put that on when I get in the shower like every day. You know, that's like, for, that's my, that's uh, so he he played drums with us, and, we, and I knew a guy named Shane Nelson, who's kind of a classic funny man around Statesboro. I was like, damn, some Statesboro people, cool. And so we'd go over there to his house and practice in their little spare room, and we started putting together this record called Get Gone, and it turned out that I had all the songs for it. Like, nobody else is really writing songs, and all the songs were kind of in this, like, loud and cranked up i had just bought an amp for the first time i had just bought an electric guitar for the first time like i bought my electric guitar from our manager in alaska and brought it back with me on the plane well so, well seth at this time in your writing and i know the dish boys is well established but has your poetry have you already started infusing your music with that mm-hmm. or, or was it so much you kind of felt what the band was trying to sound like and be like, I can totally give my poetry to this. I think it's, it was kind of both, you know? Okay. And it kind of still is that way. They kind of, they're kind of, they're kind of interchangeable. I've been writing some new poems lately that aren't something that you would use for songs, but like all my poems at that time and all the poems I wrote in college were kind of written in, I guess they call it verse, you know, where they like shit rhymes. I don't Mm -hmm. know what you call it but like all the poems i'm writing now that i wrote out at catfish heaven that property i lived at recently i mean that uh all those poems are just uh what do they call it like prose you know they, they don't have any form it's just like they read just like a story mm-hmm. but those aren't those don't have to do with songs but at this time i was only writing poems that were kind of also could easily be viewed as weird. <laughs> now that now that I look back at it, it's like you know that Statesboro stuff was like yeah I was I was kind of probably trying to build those into what would five or eight years later become songs or whatever because I've used like all those poems for songs you know um, like I think the first one I ever did was called Ancient Miles uh, and that's on the first Dish Boys thing. And maybe one called Mr. Chapman that I wrote with a buddy in Statesboro named Jordan Totten. And uh, and so it was always like, like I, and I would, at that time I was writing so much, like just, I just got the toe dipped in the water and got pulled into the creativity thing, you know. That's really the trip is like, what 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 would you say really sent you off? Was it like location and just the visuals that you were having, or was it just the stories that you had collected over the years of these people? I think uh, you know a mixture of the two. I mean, I got to be honest, man. Like about my first, the big change for me was like a point in college where uh, took LSD for the first time. I mean, holy shit, I got to be dead on it. All game changer. Holy shit. The next morning after that, it was like truly set anew, like in a, like in a, uh, a cosmic spiritual kind of way. And it is, it's like, 
took me from that. That's probably what jumped, jumped me a bunch of hurdles that maybe other people had, hadn't had to jump. Or it most like. certainly will. <laughs> yeah, it just got me. Like, it just it just got me like all, a lot of the openness points. It gave me those ideas. You know, that stuff doesn't. LSD is not going to change your life. It gives you the tools to look at life a little differently and make those changes yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I would um, totally say that. So I, I'd have to say I would be amiss if I didn't say that that was part of it. But the Alaska trip happening exactly around that time, like the first Alaska trip was probably four months after that. Mm-hmm. First. And so, uh, just yeah, seeing all that that land, and also like coming from where I came from, and being like, "Damn, this isn't very different than North Georgia. This is really similar to North Georgia." So I think that's kind of where that early well of creativity came from. Is like that relationship with nature, relationship with my like personal views starting to change, and like creating some sort of like. I don't know, like a like a personal responsibility to the fact that we've been like gifted this this vessel of to to have creativity with mm-hmm. and to, to to share with each other and and express and uh and that that got to ringing so true that I had to answer the call, you know. Um. So like. And then, and then that travel concept built in really hard with how we wanted to do the Dish Boys. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. damn, that that first that tour drive across the country with Reverend was like the model for how we wound up doing the Dish Boys because um, it was like, you know, at least uh, two or three runs out of town a month. I mean, we played like 130 shows a year, like three shows three years in a row getting it um and just out of like a mercury mariner from 2008 you know i mean there was one time when me and tyler key you know a uh, great great friend of mine played steel in the dish boys from nine through the end mm-hmm. and me and him were on the road in i guess you know a mercury mariner with two-wheel drive and 10 foot of snow hit us in like kind of around uh, the Donner Pass, it turned out. We looked up and saw, like, one of these signs that said the Donner Pass, and it's like, I bet they didn't realize there was snow in California either, too. Mm. So just getting in, just having journeys like that was the whole dish boys. It's like, we never, I mean, still felt like I hadn't seen the U.S. yet. And it was like, I'd seen people doing regional runs and the concept of touring and stuff from bigger bands. And then you start seeing like, I know Hardy and them were doing kind of national runs at that time, future birds, mm-hmm. Lee Baines and the glory fires, um, the decks of teens. You could just, like I, oh. I started looking at like all these schedules from these bands that I loved and being like, well, where did they play when they first started out? And mm-hmm. if those places, and if those places still existed, I found their email contact, and that's where we tried to play at, you mm-hmm. know, um, and just use their maps, like, you know, uh, and the concept too. Like Dexatines had a concept of like at least once a month hit a mar- a 
like three different markets where they're running or, you know, I feel funny using that word, but that's what it is. But so it'd be like you play Athens, Nashville, Indianapolis, or play like Nashville, Indianapolis, Chicago. And I just start applying that concept to like the whole country kind of, or at least like if we could drive, if we could, if we could make the drive back be eight hours or less, I was always down to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's times where uh, it would just be me. I'd just be doing solo shows. Like whoever could make it, me and like the drummer, me and Rob, me and Rob and Gary, just me and Gary, just me and Tyler. Um, Just at that, at that time. And still, I mean, this is like, well, I mean, to to break your train of thought on that but like to be able to book it and you know just whoever can make it uh did you feel like you were ever uh what a way to put it uh that whatever they were booking that night it wasn't what you were going to be bringing no because i tried to just be up front about like you know I'm doing this runs a solo run, or this runs gonna be. I mean, there'd be times like, damn, this uh, this lineup kind of fell apart, and it's gonna be a duo, and you just roll with it. I mean, have the yeah, have, have the four piece band play after you, or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. there was times though with booking, and all bands do this, but it'd be like, we can play jazz. You know, we can play some jazz. We need hey, this. We'll figure it out. We need this run from uh from we need this gig between like Flagstaff and LA, you know. So like the t- spot in Tucson, I think I think you know I think we know how to play jazz for a couple songs, Rob. <laughs> yeah, hey, we figured it out. So like I mean, there's times and that's kind of as hard as I ever you know stretched it or anything. But like it, you you have to do that as like a young man on the road. Yeah. But, I mean, so like, so around nine song movie was when we were touring that hard. Like me and Tyler um, did like a what's the number? Like like a thirty three or so show tour uh, for nine song movie that took us like to from Athens to Chicago and back, and from Athens to above like upstate New York and back, and then from Athens to Seattle and back, but using like the Southwest to get there and like up through california and back through like colorado and kansas and i think the last show on that runs in nashville actually at uh betty's yeah at betty's mm-hmm. and uh so like that that was the the like oh damn we just booked a national tour three times over let's do it some more you know mm-hmm. it, and two during that time period I was writing a lot of songs because, you know, you just got all this inspiration happening, you know. Um, And we weren't practicing. We practiced a lot or rehearsed or whatever, you know, a lot for Nine Song Movie. Because, like, Eric was, uh, we were all just kind of learning how to play our instruments for the most part. Like, particularly me. I mean, God, the link, the, the, the jargon I would use for the Dish Boys is borderline not understandable you know <laughs> you know we use like the press shape on that like second one and then we're gonna like push down to like this you know the one on the top kind of but right near that dot i swear to god i was like telling people how to uh 
I was showing people my songs that way with like no possible verbiage. Yeah. But after a while, Robin then taught me like, oh yeah, that's called A. That's yeah. called Seven or like whatever. Yeah. Uh, you just, you know, I, I don't think I ever really, I still don't feel like I've like learned the guitar. Hopefully you never feel like you're over with it. You know, like I know more now than I knew then, but hopefully I never, I don't think you can. It's like infinite thing, you know. Dude, I was just having a conversation today just because I was down on myself. And I'm sure you've been here uh, with another guitar player and I was you know what? I, I just feel like I, I either want to walk away from it or just break it because like I've, I have been in a rut for so long because I'm playing, I'm playing the same old song and dance, and I've I've been through two or three or four different song and dances, and there is no new inspiration. Yeah. And immediately after that conversation, like it sparked on me. I was like, well, there's a million different ways we could go, dude. You just just take a look. Damn right. Yeah, it just takes like for for me when I get in those times where I'm just playing in riff, like I'll grab my guitar, pick it up, and I just huh, that's kind of the same. We're trying to write the same song, like uh, I don't know what gets you out of that that funk, or I can't, you know, like I don't know what has worked for me. Even it just ends up working itself out. Like I, you know, you ain't gonna see any of us put the guitar away for our lifetime because of that fact like it just yeah it just works itself out the more you fool with it i don't know well, well dude let's move on to saturday morning breakfast uh give me give me a good helping of this album and how it came to be because buddy woo-wee, and not just quoting you in one of your songs that might be one of my favorites off that record <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much i've really enjoyed it <laughs> thank you thank you i mean i uh I really love it too, and it's it's because of the hang that ha- happened during the session and who was involved with it. Just all a bunch of old friends and and folks who I've viewed as personal heroes, like since I've you know was in my early twenties, and uh, you know Justin Collins produced it, and I uh, I met him at Caledonia Lounge in like 2016. They played like you know one of those day parties that goes with Athes like. I think Hardy and them were on that deal too. It was probably while they were down there. And uh and I went up and shook his hand after the show and said, Man, great set. Love all your stuff. Bought a CD from him. And uh we just kept in contact over the years. Like I think a year or two later, we came up and played the five spot with him. Um and have just played like probably we played the Cobra with him up here. Uh, two or three more shows and just had always kept in touch and became friends and uh we booked, we booked a tour with our buddy jack who uh he recorded the album and mixed it actually um we booked a tour with him that was like 48 shows for oh. it was gonna start in uh in may of 2020 and so obviously that didn't happen and we started seeing the news for uh covid and stuff in like february i think you know mm-hmm. and it was kind of like would this tour happen maybe we can push it and then you know a little bad after that maybe we can push it no nah, ain't no pushing it that i think everybody was thinking that for a while i was like yeah, this ain't this ain't going away 
And uh, and so it was like, damn, well, let's let's get through this whole uh, immediate thing and get our shots and get right with or let let the whole thing kind of run its course. And then when we can get together, let's make a record. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Dish Boys thing had uh, stopped happening. And before that, too, I had all these songs. I had all these songs. I wrote all these songs in November of, uh, of 2020. And, uh, and so that was like right before the fall, before going up for this, that winter time in Alaska. And, uh, and so we, we said like, you know, let's make this record. And uh, me and Rob started hashing out songs when I got back from Alaska, and uh, just playing them on acoustic guitars, you know, out at Catfish Heaven, just like uh, playing one time, not really even trying to like over learn them, because like, we kind of did that with the Dish Boys, and it's like it's looking to do it a little different way, and uh, and just hanging as friends, you know, just fun. And so I sent Justin the demos. And he liked them, and uh, and we we knew the whole time, or he had started saying the whole time that he wanted to get kind of that same band that I actually saw him play with at Caledonia, which is like this Australian tour version of Justin in the Cosmics that had uh, Kyle Walsh on drums, the usual drummer, and then Vaughn Lane from Hardy's band. And, uh, me and Vaughn over the course of years had become like, really close. One of the one of the uh, you know, uh, he was a personal hero of mine who became a close friend. And uh, so that was the rhythm section. That's the rhythm section on the record. It's like the Aussie Cosmics we all have been calling. Um, and Rob Hibbs, you know, the Dish Boys came up and played electric rhythm guitar and uh justin overdubbed keys on it uh wonderful word dude and i know you're going through the names right now but dude i my god have i enjoyed it dude i have i have since since you originally sent that soundcloud link dude i have been through it like five times over or better like i really i really enjoy it that means a lot to me, man. Um, cause, cause you get it, you know, like you get where that's coming from. Like yeah. the references in there, like you already referenced Woohoo Talking Blues. Like I bet you know exactly what a covered dish is from the time where like that's one of your <laughs> vocabulary words probably, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. And so, I mean like everything like, uh, even Saturday morning cartoons or, uh, late Saturday nights or, uh, I mean, man, so many songs in that record, like just a little phrase out of that record is like, man, I, just, I just feel like me and Seth grew up together. You know what I mean? Dude, thank you so much. I mean, like, that just, you know, tickles me because you're kind of the first person outside of the immediate crew to, to hear it, you know? Yeah. Um, like I sent it to the flagpole and out of Athens that single's coming out tomorrow but other than that and like our immediate friend group you know which I, I see you as a friend you know not just like the dude who does the podcast already but like the you know you're the only media person who's got it right now yeah um and I mean uh 
so so what I was getting at there was Justin did he wasn't sold on every song having keys on it, and I was kind of pushing like we got to get keys on this record, baby. It's gonna vibe, and uh, <laughs> that's how I talk. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> And like so, he he was like, "All right, we got to find some cool tones. I'm down to do it if we can find the right tones." So he brought over this keyboard that he got for Christmas, well, and uh, we just sat there. You know, I, I kind of we were talking about this the other night. It's like you kind of produced the keys, really. Like he like we we he just be going through the the different tones, and we'd be like, "Yes, no, yes, no." We'd find the right tone. And then we'd play for a while and it'd be like, yes, this works. Or maybe Jack would have an idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were times where we would follow ideas all the way to the end and they wouldn't work. And we'd be like, want to go outside for a second? And we'd come back and like, first thing we tried on the record, you know. But that was only the keys. Nothing else is dubbed on the record. There's no other instruments dubbed on the record. That was all live in the room. Uh, well, dude, so very well done. And I cannot wait for the people to hear it. <laughs> appreciate that so much man i mean uh like i said we recorded it jack evan johnson recorded it at in his basement in, in his unfinished basement at his house um and you know he's, he's had a label out of out of nashville for the last five or six years called devil's tower records and mm-hmm. uh, they put out that john prine uh tribute kiss my ass goodbye that dish boys was on and like hardy was on it and Justin, Chris Crofton, uh, and so he, he he's deep part deep part of the family, man. I mean, him and Justin, I really feel uh, connected to on a on a on a whole nother level, you know. Um, and my roommate right now, Chelsea Lovett, she sang on the record too. She sings on spin, 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 and uh, Scott uh, Scott. Uh, Justin's brother who plays guitar in the Cosmics he played slide um, and Jack uh, Jack plays electric guitar on the last song and that's that's everybody who's on it and uh, when we got when we when we had the roughs I knew it was strong because all them were so stoked about it mm-hmm. for me I don't know what a good recording sounds like I know how to play my guitar in my songs, you know what I mean? But, like, that ain't really my game. I just mean, like, the, the quality, like, they're like, room sounds good, drums sound fucking good. like all these things that, like, you know, I just kind of have the songs. And, uh, that's, I, that's, that's where I'm at with it right now. I mean, uh, less of trying to be, like, on that session, you know, I wasn't trying to be, like, a band leader or anything. Maybe the way this boys we were just in their room playing songs, just didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Seth, I have got three questions to walk this one out the door. And by the way, I would love to have you on again. Yeah, I'll uh, do. Love to talk cause, to you time. Because I know I haven't covered everything, but I wanted to get everyone ready for some Saturday morning cartoons. So uh, I understand it. Question one, where can they find Saturday morning cartoons tomorrow because there is a part of it dropping tomorrow. Yep. First single comes out tomorrow and the video comes out tomorrow. And you can find that on YouTube and Bandcamp 
and there's going to be the flagpole magazine is going to uh, have it on their feature uh, premiere and uh, it'll be on my link tree on my Instagram. You can just click that link tree link and all those little links will pop up and you can click it and it'll take you right to it. And uh, the send me send me all those links and I will I will tag them in this episode description and go on with the pre link or the pre order. The pre order starts tomorrow too. We're doing CDs and uh, a great artist named uh, Jesse LeMay out of Atlanta. She lived in Athens for a while too. Um, just just amazing. Uh, does a lot of jewelry and uh, and it's kind of every medium. Does play. Does painting. Does I mean she's like uh, a true uh, artist. <laughs> So easy to work with and like got like I sent this little mock-up that probably looked like a two-year-old drawed it and uh he just threw it through the roof I, the cover is gorgeous beautiful to me I've really enjoyed the cover art of what I've seen so far question two if if the listeners want to connect with you on the socials and figure out what you got going on where can they go it's uh my name on there is underscore underscore Seth Martin, but I'm pretty sure if you just type in Seth Martin, it'll come up. You know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just give me a holler on there. I don't. Uh, I'm I'm pretty loose on there, and I think it's fun because like you know, I, I didn't even have a MySpace. Uh, you know, so like uh, I didn't because you know, I don't I don't know. I was like living out in Bakersfield Road, Road by then. I didn't, I didn't get a Facebook till we moved to town. You know, it's like when I was going to talk, and, uh, and still, I mean, I just think you know, uh, you can. There's ways to make it fun and funny, and like to use it as awesome too. You know, so it's like one of those malleable trips that like uh, it's just part of the thing. I mean, it's like uh, all the it's the medium, it's the newspaper. You know, absolutely. Uh, just that's, but there's ways to to make it fun because there's times where you're like i hate this shit you know but like me and you wouldn't have met without it and like me and so many people that's true that i've met in real life and who i mean me and you're gonna meet one of these days and have a beer no doubt we're gonna have a ball it's it's just a connection thing you know like you can connect with people on it and i think that's an overall positive and last question is what was your favorite part of this interview (laughs) Woo. Um, I don't know, man. Just talking with you in general, like uh, like hearing you hearing you talk about y'all going out and, and fishing and, and camping, and uh, hearing you talk about loving ball in the same way that I do, and like uh, and just getting to like tell these stories too, because like obviously, oh, we got some stories out tonight, did we? I mean, there's so much of it because my life has just been such a drastic change over the years and like uh but i'm still that same kid man i still like like i I, all of my creativity comes from kind of who i was when i was about 12 or 13 to be honest with you you know Mm -hmm. um like there's this patch of woods to the left if you're looking at the house on baker's ferry to the left of the house and it separated us and and the other property maybe about 300 yards of just woods and I would go in there and play like constantly to my heart's content and like play involved over the years and then you know just playing 
shoes and shit to like go later and be like, that's where we get shot guns at. Like, just, um, but, but who I was kind of as, as a kid uh, has been such a big influence on who I am and my creativity now. And like it is like. in there are you good <laughs> yeah we're good that's about the bust oh you good you good <laughs> that's pretty damn funny i thought that's what was going on oh my god dude i was about to tear apart ah <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the uh let me fucking finish <laughs> that, man you know you can't take a piss on the phone we can't take a piss man oh we're brothers now ah god damn mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I was freaking the fuck out. You're good. You're good. That is hilarious, man. Fuck yeah. That's a, that's a hell of a close. I mean, <laughs> talking about, so my, so the whole trip, the whole trip we've kind of been talking about is got a lot, is like sincerity. Yeah. Like, I think that's like all the early, any press I've ever got, that's always one of the things they gravitate towards. But, you know, that's just me being myself. And that's what you were, that's all you were doing there. <laughs> you ain't going to catch any flack off me for somebody having taken it. Yes, like, it's, that's, it's a natural thing. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if something happens, then it has to have been a natural thing because nature wouldn't allow it. <laughs> Yeah, dude, now I am good to extend it. Like I, I was, I was sincerely. Uh, I thought I was gonna piss myself. <laughs> you good, man? <laughs> I was like, God. No. <laughs> There's one thing that I missed in like kind of that get gone area that I just thought of. Like when we were playing, we put out, we made this little dish boys made this little CD, gave it out, and it was like acoustic. And then the first time we played live in Athens, it was like amps on 10, guitars on 10, earplugs music, you know, just banged out punk. Like, I, we, we're getting off on the Dexteens and, like, Lee Baines and them's like, live. Thank you. That's a good place to be. Dude, I still listen to Hardwire Healing, like, fucking once a month, probably. That shit is sweet dog. I, so I've said for a long time, and my two for probably over ten years, I've said that my two favorite drummers were Sweet Dog and Kyle Walsh. And Kyle Walsh is the drummer on Saturday Morning Cartoons. How lucky! There you go. How lucky can one man get, baby? I mean, truly, like, 
and that session, you know, like I mentioned before, like Vaughn and uh, Kyle hadn't seen each other since that Australia tour. That's the last time they saw each other was that tour. Um, so they just kind of picked up right where they left off. And, uh, and that whole energy of their jokes still being like, Australian dialect, you know, mm-hmm. like bait and shit, kind of bled into the session a little bit. And but just the energy of like, damn, we all ain't seen each other in a while. This COVID shit, man, let's rock. Let's fucking rock. And uh that's where we're at now, and I love that energy. Dude, yeah, I mean, uh I I've kind of hit like the best time period i feel better than ever in so many ways right now and it's because of the attention i got to kind of pay the small things during covid and like you know my personal wellness my mental health like my daily routine like all my breath like yeah i meditate every day for at least like 30 minutes um what the hell you know dude I, i can't tell you just how good like and, and that, it sucks to say because it was bad for so many people, right? But just how good, like, a, a pandemic or whatever was good for me, just for all the personal things that I learned that really, like you said, it helped me personally. And even, like, with this podcast or any other venture that I'm doing, it's like, it was a blessing in disguise in a way. Yeah, There are only blessings, man. That's the trip, you know? Now that I think of it more, it's like there there really are only blessings. Cause like I don't know, I just more more you see it all start playing out, you're like it's everything is perfect. And then you you think like, well, you know, damn hurricane or something like that. But like I said before, if nature is gonna allow it to happen, then it is natural. Like, nothing that has ever happened. Atomic fucking bomb. Worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Holocaust. All, all that shit is somehow part of natural rhythm of the world doing, like, a, a fire burn on a piece of land. Or I, I don't... Now I'm starting to get where I don't really know what I'm talking about. But, like, that interconnection uh, permeates every, everything, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, this, the energy from the session that, uh, was so good because rap, we call him rap boy, uh, Kyle, the drummer, they got there the night before we did and they, they did all the drum sounds and checked everything. Cause usually when you get to a session, in the first fucking four or five hours, just kind of standing around, you know, mm. unless unless you have already dialed everything in before you get there, you just kind of stand around. And uh, they had everything dialed in. We just walked in, got our uh, amps right, and started playing. So the whole session for that basic tracking was four hours. Wow. You know, like, and Knock I... Out. That until we got to talking about it the other night, me, uh, Jack, and Justin, that like, um, it was only four hours. Like, we were done, uh, so quick because there's a lot of first takes on there. 
is like, but also there's one song that we did like maybe seven of, just cause, not that any of them were bad, just because you get to like the end of the song and something happens. It'd be like this Lost and Found, that song we did a lot of work on. I really love that one too, by the way. <laughs> That's Justin's favorite. That's Justin's favorite, and like uh, right, right now I'm floating between four favorites, and that's uh that's one of the four. Damn man, that's uh appreciate you saying that, and uh and I'm so, sure the more time I spend with it, like this is kind of like, are you familiar with Ryan Saab? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uh, him in the Dead Mall. He is a badass dude, and super, yeah, super nice. You know, whenever I've Whenever I'm sitting down with his material, the first time I listen through it, the second time I listen through it, like something else strikes me, and and that is the way like your work has always struck me, Seth. Is like, oh, I really like that the first time. Then I go back again. It's like, oh, that's really good. You know, like it just it. I guess it depends on the moment. Eater all star. No, you're good, bub. I already went and pissed. I gotta. I'm just. My phone's about to die, so if I don't plug it in, then I'm gonna be in bad shape. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, man, because like that really is where it's at for for me. Because um, like I remember a quote or something somebody said to me early on was like, I have to listen to your songs like three or four times to even catch a lyric in the early days. I think they kind of meant that as like a negligent thing, but that's the way I kind of always had wanted it. You know, like anything that I've ever really loved and found interesting and that became a part of my life, like I didn't get it the first time or even the first couple of times. Like the first time I saw, um, what's that David Lynch movie? Um, not Blue Velvet, but, uh, Boho and Drive, man. The first time I saw oh, that, okay. the first time I saw that movie, I had I, I just had no idea what it was about. Didn't even think there was a plot. It was like that was a waste of my time, and I rented it from a video store on VHS. Like this is what the hell? Um, that's DVD. And uh, but then we had it for five or six days. By the time we went to return it in, I was raving about it to everyone I could find about how it was the best movie I'd seen so far. You know? Um, so, like, little shit like that, that's kind of, like, all my friends' art is the same way. And, uh, but I feel like if you know that going into it, it prepares you to, to have the experience of growth with the art. You know, like, you're, like, a lot of times, uh, now now I, I'm pretty, I can pretty much pick every lyric because that's just where my brain is focused at, you know, when I hear a song. I'm like, the story and the lyric and, like, how those things work with the melody and, like, I'm more focused on that thing. But there was a long time where it'd be like, you know, I didn't pick up a single lyric in that song first time I heard it. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's never made me just because of the taste I have had. Like, I, like, you know, like we're talking about Lee Baines, man. Like, mm-hmm. ton of syllables put into his verses. You know, like he, he's like I've told him before. Like he's he does the 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 verse with a lot with a lot of words in it, 
and pulls it off in a in, in a crazy way that leaves you kind of flabbergasted. It's mm-hmm. like when I his work at first, there'd be times where I wasn't able to pull because it happened so fast. But then you listen again like a second time and a third time and all these little nubs you start to pull and like like a Lee Bain song, you're like, this is about like a a, a Congress bill. You know, holy shit. Damn. So you, once you then learn that, like once you've gotten to the end of that, you know, rainbow of the song, so to speak, I feel like it's worth so much more to you than if you would have just really liked it within the first 30 seconds. Not saying I don't like a good pop song or I don't want all my songs to be approachable or that there's not songs I like that I didn't get the first time, but like it's never turned me off for for something to be need a little attention paid to it. You know? Well, not a, not only that, I mean, I think we're all a little suckers for a good hook line. Uh, you know, a line that really draws you in, but uh, I think you really nailed the head on the hammer with uh, the way that you define a Lee Bain song. With you got a whole lot saying in the lyrics, but you really bring it together. Dude, he is, he like, there was a show at Caledonia Lounge with it was Hardy Morris opening playing all the Drown on a Mountaintop songs, just solo electric. I think maybe Vaughn got up there and sang like background on the song with him or something. And then Five Eight played. You know who Five Eight is? I do not tell me. Banging ass uh punk with amazing lyrics like kind of in the same way as lee with a lot of speed a lot of information but like also very literary and a guy named mike manitone he's got a band called the bad ends right now with the drummer from rem that's fucking sick they just put a record and uh i think they played last night with driving and crying or something like that um but it, it uh so they were in the middle and for who we were, the audience at that show was essentially like Fish Boys before we became a band or maybe right around the time we became a band. And then like four or five other people who we'd go on to be in bands, like all the kids from the dudes from the Pink Stones were there, uh, but they hadn't started that band yet. Touch, like that's kind of how that scene in Athens was maybe around like 2017 or 2016 or something, you know. Mm. And so Party Plays. Five eight plays, and we're like, how the fuck can they top this? You know, I've heard like, I had heard Company Man from Lee and knew it was banging, and was like, damn, I mean, they're the out of town band. Maybe they were supposed to play in the middle. This must be gonna be good. And holy shit, like, all of us had our mouths on the floor for like a fucking month after that. Um, I, I would, I would. You could send me out on speaking tours uh, talking about the greatness of that <laughs> writer and that band, man. Just, you know. Uh, and, and such a good example for young songwriters like me or young people who, like, see see themselves in that trip of, like, yeah, I'm from the South, but, like, I ain't no, like, racist dumbass. You know, like, I'm, I can hold my own with any, any conversation in any room in the country. Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of like them, uh, uh, truckers, Hardy, deck teams, 
um, REM. Um, think I'm trying to think of bands like particularly just from the South. Um, I like, think you you named off plenty. I would add in like a Taylor Hollinsworth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, like Dexatines and uh, Lee Baines and the Glorifiers, yeah. Uh, Drive-by truckers. Oh yeah. Uh, Truck homecoming is like good God Almighty, the best party in the, the ever, man. Yeah. Holy. And they they send like, I think they donated like what was it like thirty three thousand dollars or like something like that from their <sighs> run to Nucci Space. So like, that band is like, you know, heroes, heroes. Um, and finding Patterson's work was huge for me, you know, like that really was like a, oh shit, we can do this, man. Like he's, he's one of us like that exists, you know, um, just such a, just such a confidence builder for a young artist to see somebody like themselves doing the thing and not even that it's successful. You know, like mm-hmm. just just fucking out there putting work out, you know, because like uh, crew bands that we all came up with in Athens, you know, like Little Gold and uh, Pink Stones and, and us and uh, Tyler Key and the Strangers and uh, Jonathan Cootie and, uh, you know, a handful more that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head, uh, Palace Doctor. All bands that like, you know, just doing this shit to to throw some guitars on, drink a beer, and like express ourselves and like uh, be part of a friend group. You know, that's kind of the whole thing, and that's how I feel now in Nashville too. That's how like that really is how it is up here. It feels we did we didn't even get into that, but buddy, uh, we have got to get into that at another time, man. We, we've had a ball and a biscuit. Uh, the video is lagging. The audio seems to be good, but uh, let's bring this to a close. Let me get let me get you back on the show again soon, okay? Dude, we'd love to talk to you anytime, and even just uh, you just give me a holler on the phone. You got my phone number now, so like, I mean, just give me a shout, man. I just really uh, enjoy talking to you and uh, and and who you are and how you're doing your thing is uh thank you man is is it's it's a cool thing to 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 kind of look across the table and see somebody who kind of grew up the same way you did trying to do art you know right on man game well let's let's put a uh a, 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 a pin in that cun pushing right here uh let's wrap it up <laughs> Oh, oh, Seth, thank you so much. And uh, here's to Saturday Morning Cartoons, my friend. Thank you so much, Alan. And uh, uh, Porch Talk is the shit, baby. Let's go.